1: Hello, welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Adam Bottrell. Adam is a fascinating guy. He's created an amazing new business, which we're going to dive into, which is all about building a world of equal employment by eliminating bias and securing the best candidates for promotions and new hires. And we're going to learn how it works and all the plans for the future. But firstly, Adam, thanks very much for joining me today. No problems, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Good to have you along. And we're about to, are you? I mean, sunny Blackburn, just north of Manchester. Famous for its hot summers, that's for sure. (laughs) Lovely. So yeah, you've created something pretty amazing. I know you're co-founder and CEO of a business called Equal Employer. It's such a critical area and a lot of companies pay lip service to the areas of diversity, inclusion, equity, and equal opportunity. But let's face it, not all of them get it right all the time or things fall through the cracks or worse. So... Can I ask you just to firstly explain exactly what is Equal Employer? Yeah, we are a software
2: company and we provide employers with with a framework and a platform where they can design the framework for their recruitment process or the promotion process. They decide how many stages they're going to be, if they're going to be interviews, psychometrics, in-house tests, and what our software does is it manages the applicants. So it does all the scheduling of all the meetings. In most of the instances, it does all of the scoring. So it's not looking at any personal characteristics of an applicant, it's purely looking at the criteria that the employer needs, and then it scores that. And ultimately at the end of the process, it presents the best candidates using data against the employer's original criteria. And then what we do in the background is, we put an auditor through the exact same process. They don't see the employer's scoring, And then at the end of that, the software compares the auditors scoring with the employers scoring, and it should be identical if it's been scored correctly by both parties, if there's a discrepancy of any stage, any situation, then it sends a red flag back to us. And it says, Hey, equal employer number 11, Adam scored 50 points, Ben scored 20 points. You might want to look at this. So then we go back in, whether it's a test or whether it's an interview, we'll listen to the audio. We'll see if the answer's been overlooked or if there's been points awarded for something that didn't really deserve the points. And then we educate the employer or the auditor and ultimately derive back to that point of the best available person being appointed for that job. And if they follow the process and meet our standard, then we certify them as an equal employer.
1: Nice, I like it. We've all been in the meeting with a fellow interviewer who has suddenly got so excited because the candidate in front of them went to the same college, went to the same university, went to the same school as them. Oh, wow, they must be good. It's a great point. And, and also in a panel where you've got a panel of people looking at an interview
2: and you sit there and you think, got this nailed on. I know exactly who the right person is. We should be giving this person a job. You come out or the candidate leaves the room. You turn to the other panelist and someone gets in there first and says, didn't like them at all. And you're completely stumped as to why, but then the second panelist chimes in and says, yeah, I agree. And sometimes that dominant voice can really influence the outcome, yeah. but based on bias. So it's about in the cold light of day, what do we need as a business? Who is the best person? What profile are they? What behavior have they got? And what skills do they have? And then let's keep to that. Let's not change our minds when we meet somebody and they just have that spark in their eye or they just... They're very humorous. We need the people who are going to help our business perform, help us grow the fastest we can, not people who we've got that spark with and a connection with. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So when I hear of software and recruitment selection, my mind flashes back to one story I heard about where I think it was Amazon and they had an AI-driven, I don't know, it was a screening tool or something. But over time, it was machine learning, self-learning so that it was rejecting women from a certain college because maybe one person from there had been not a good candidate or something like that, but it had sort of reinforced itself in the wrong direction. And so yeah. people can get scared of software and screening and things like that. So how is equal employer different?
2: Well, we're not artificial intelligence. We're okay. not a large language model or machine learning as it's commonly known. We're a human guided process or so the human being the employer They dictate what the framework is. They dictate what the criteria is based on their needs. And then the software is basically acting upon that information that they've instructed it, and it's only doing what it's told from the employer. So there's no artificial intelligence that can dilute information or misconstrued something. And then it's the same for our auditors. We did actually look at applying artificial intelligence from an auditing perspective. It's something we're still investigating because our auditors can also have their own bias when even just from listening, you know, my accent's a very strong Northern accent. There may be somebody in the South or the East or the West that doesn't prefer my accent over somebody else's. So even audio can play a part. Yeah. So the machine learning research that we're doing at the minute is to transcribe any interview or any audio into text and allow the software to then analyze the transcription and the text to identify if phrases or keywords were said in the answer. A lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities at the minute are beyond my comprehension and a lot of people's comprehension. Yeah, But it's pretty robust. However, before we'd implement anything like that, we'd undergo at least 12 to 24 months of robust training to check that it was producing exactly the same results as a human, and we were getting accuracy over 98,
1: 99.8%. Yeah, very good. And in terms of the process, every business is different. Maybe every hiring manager is different. They've got different questions, processes. So some companies want to go very in depth and maybe have different stages, assessment tools, do us a report, do us a presentation, all that kind of stuff. And then others are very much skill shortage. We can't ask people to do 16 interviews and panel discussions and things like that. So it has to be really short. How do you determine the right process and fit that into you know your auditing and software process that you've created? Yeah, good question. Well, we
2: leave it to the employer ultimately. It's their decision, how they look at their process. Development company that we've worked with in partnerships, Luton Care and Education, they've got this skill shortage. They're in the care sector. It's a very fast paced market for candidates who maybe go to Indeed and upload 20, you know, 30 CVs for 30 jobs in a space of 10 minutes, not really looking at the job and whether they want it or not. But within that, there are those golden people that you want to get hold of. Because the market's so fast paced, if an employer is not really on the ball, And they don't book in either the test or review the CV or get an interview done. By the time they get around to the first stage, the candidate can be off the market. So in a low skill shortage or a fast paced market like that, an employer can really just use the application process. As soon as a candidate's completed stage one, the software can automatically tell the candidate, congratulations, confetti cannon explodes past stage one. You're now through to stage two. The candidate on our software can see every stage, but each one is locked. So before they start phase one or stage one, they can see how many stages there are. They can see what each stage entails. And as soon as they complete one, it unlocks the second one. And they can do the second one straight away if it's all applications. They could do an in-house test straight away. They could do a psychometric straight away. And if an employer doesn't actually need to interview, the candidate could be hired within a space of an hour, and instantly the onboarding starts then telling the candidate, fantastic, you passed every test that we had, every application, we'd love you to now start onboarding, we need your P45, we need your driving license, please upload that. All the while, the employer has not noticed how many applicants have come in, who's at what stage, this is all going on on their behalf, so it's taking away the heavy lifting from the employer. In a more advanced, if we take a senior manager role, we can guide the employer to say how many assessments we think they should have, that psychometrics are beneficial to adding in that core raw data that's going to take away the bias even further. But it's the employer's decision what that framework looks like,
1: and we just guide them through each stage. Got it. And in the research phase for creating the software and the platform itself, What kind of work or discussion or analysis did you go through to work out exactly what to create? Because I guess you could go in all sorts of directions. So what sort of research and review did you do when creating the product in the first place? Well, we did
2: what a lot of people do, which is came up with a fantastic mission and a goal of removing bias because we want equality for everybody. And then The solutions that we came up with, which we thought, oh, this is absolutely fantastic. (laughs) We then found that other people already do that. So then we thought, okay, well, if they do it and they do it right, then surely that problem would be solved within the market. And so when we looked at, let's say, redacting information from CVs, it's fantastic. You know, it's an essential part of it, but it's only part of a, a huge process. There's some companies out there that do blind hiring, so they'll do a blind interview there won't be a video camera on. okay that works to an extent but some employers say well who's sat with that person who's typing who's telling them what to respond with right. there's other companies out there that do a complete blind hire so all the interviews are conducted effectively over text candidates have got a certain amount of time to reply to a question but the employer doesn't know who's typing that if they're using google From what I've seen, supposedly the timings make it very difficult to Google search something and then respond. But now we've seen ChatGPT and BARD come into the market. You could copy and paste that. So we moved away from that, but ultimately every solution that's in the market today has one failure. And that's at some point within their process, they hand the process back to the employer and allow them to make a subjective decision on who they want. Might be subjective on the text that they've read, might be subjective on the redacted information and the CVs that they've been pushed in front of them, but ultimately it's their decision that is the outcome. And we're saying, well, let's just break that down, reverse engineer it, create the criteria to start with and allow that criteria to be the decision and you really, you don't need a senior manager or a director or a HR bod to be analyzing that data because it either matches the criteria or it doesn't. And that's why your businesses can save a lot of time by having senior people conducting this. From an interview perspective in our process, you could be the managing director, CEO, you could write the questions, you could tell me what you're looking for in the answers, you could tell me Which of those elements of the answers are the most critical? Which are that important? We score each one and we break it down. But after that, the CEO, the MD doesn't need to do that interview. They don't need to spend, if you say an hour a time and you only interview three people, you could have somebody who's in a junior position, read the script of an introduction because everybody gets exactly the same introduction, the same welcome. So there's no difference. The scene is set exactly the same for everybody. Everybody gets exactly the same questions. They have exactly the same amount of time to answer that question. And the candidate is either saying the answer or they're not. If they say it, the person who's asking the question ticks the box to say they've said it. If they don't, they don't. And it doesn't score. The software doesn't pick up on any scoring. And that's why it will save a lot of time and a lot of money or wasted resource from senior people conducting this.
1: So a hiring manager might say, well, we've got, final round two three candidates they're all pretty similar the scores come in very similar i want cultural fit or that chemistry what do you say to that that is one of the best
2: points that people come up with it always spikes the most interesting topic so people say well i don't need a process to tell me because when i look somebody in the eye i just know and we say okay what do you know And then everybody comes back with different answers. Let's just scenario role play. I want somebody who's engaging. So sales type of people, commercial people. I want somebody who's engaging. Brilliant. Okay. Can you not determine that then from predetermined criteria? No, I just get this spot. But what is it? Is it because they're looking you in the eye? Is it because they're animated? They use their hands to talk? Is it because they're smiley? Is it because they're body language? Tell me what it is. And they'll start to say, well, yeah, I suppose it's a bit of the eye contact. It's a bit of the body language, the humorous. They can talk on a topic quite easily. Brilliant. How would you assess that then? If you were to be fair to everybody, would you say that if everybody came in and was just gesticulating with the hands and the body, would that go down as a point then or a 20 points or 40 points? Well, it's not that important. Okay, we'll give it one point then, shall we? Okay. What else do they do? Or well, they maintain eye contact. Okay, so if somebody maintains eye contact and they don't break eye contact, then that's going to give you some points. Well, they can look away sometimes. They're not robots. Brilliant. But let's say then, on average, when they're speaking to you and they're not thinking and looking around, when they're actually talking to you, they maintain eye contact. They get points. Yeah, okay. How many points? If they make you laugh, is that that important to you? Now, for some businesses, let's say in the children's entertainment sector, That is critical that they can captivate an audience. Yeah, okay, that's something we need to ascertain. Brilliant. So they've got to make you laugh. Yeah, we've got to laugh at least three times. Brilliant, no problems at all. And everybody's getting the same opportunity. They're tested against the same metric. Might be a tough metric that we may feel is ridiculous and you don't need to make somebody laugh. But if that's what the employer wants, and they've really thought about the criteria that's going to give them the best candidate to help their business grow, then so be it. That's what they need. And as long as every single person gets the same opportunity to meet that
1: criteria, then that's equality. What's been the response from employers? Because it's been a recent launch. What are you seeing or hearing back from them?
2: We've got some very, very good conversations going on with some very large organizations, some household names, but we know that that's going to take some time to get over the line. So it was three weeks ago we had our first public outing yeah. and we have been around on social media having conversations with thought leaders and EDI leaders, HR directors, but we've not actually pushed the product in front of people. So now we've got the ability to demonstrate the product. Yeah. We've now given access to some HR outsourcing companies, some recruitment companies, and some HR directors. So they're using it on some live data. They're getting familiar with that. But it's been really receptive. And I'll tell you something quite interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday about. For 18 months, we as a business stayed as a faceless company. We didn't want anybody to know who we were. We had this whole video created that says it doesn't matter who we are. It matters what we do. And that's how we want employers to look at candidates. Think about what they can do for you, not who they are, where they're from, what they sound like. Because I'm a straight, white, middle aged man talking about diversity. And it's not something that's atypical. It's something that should be encouraged, but it's not something that's atypical. My business partner, he's a straight, white, middle aged man. Now, he's got a severe hearing impairment. But to look at him, Unless you noticed his hearing aid, you'd think he's got no disabilities, he's just the same as myself. His wife is Armenian and Iranian, and she was the co-founder of our business and really led the thoughts on what can we do around equality. But to look at her, you might not think with makeup that she's actually of a different color to anybody from England of a white ethnicity. So we thought, right, we don't want to be judged on who we are or what we do, so we're going to hide advertise instead of ourselves and right. our email addresses were sales director at CEO at so in terms of the reception we've been involved in a lot of different diversity forums workshops we've met people from all different types of organizations that are championing their own their own missions but the reception across every single person has been absolutely powerfully reassuring to say, The world needs this. There's no metric. There's no measurement. There's no accountability at the minute. People can do what they want. And if we're going to really accelerate through this grabbing people and using them as talking gestures to, like you said at the start of the podcast, to look like we're talking the talk and walking the walk, we need to get past that. People are being used. People who deserve jobs are now being given jobs, but they're walking into that job thinking, have I got it because of my skills and my experience, or have I got it because I meet a certain demographic criteria that they need to look good on paper? Yeah, And to get to the point where we can just give the best people the job, we need something that measures it and that certifies
1: organizations who've met a standard. Yeah, so you've mentioned certification. You've got different stages, is that right? Bronze, silver, gold, something like that?
2: Yeah, so we've got four stages, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Mm -hmm. And for 18 months, we just had the one standard because we were very standoffish about you're either in or you're not. You can't just come in and say, we're going to do it for recruitment and not do it for all your promotions because part of the problem in the industry is that there's a real issue in succession planning. Some companies are stuffing diversity into the bottom chain to make the numbers stack up, for an annual EDI report but they're not looking at succession planning. And that means that the board and the senior management that's really going to change a culture is deficient in certain areas. You've got some initiatives like the FTSE that are influencing the board level to make sure there's diversity on that board level. But then that's coming from outside organizations in a lot of the cases because there's nothing there at senior management stage. So we really believe in the promotional side of what we do as well. But I got told in a meeting about four or five months ago by a person of ethnicity. He said, look, I'm from an ethnic minority. I work for a company that's all about diversity. He said, but where you're taking us from and to is a very steep trajectory for us. And the board, they might not sign off on this. Oh. Because they might not be on board with it. It's a big leap for us. You'd be better if you had an entry level to just get people on the journey. When we were saying, well, If they just want to play, we'll do a little bit of it, but we're not doing all of it. You're not touching our board. You're not touching the senior management. Were we selling out? Were we just being sure? Yeah. Were we just grabbing the money then and saying, okay, well, we'll let that happen. But then through the discussions and through running it by a lot of different businesses, we realized that if we allow that to happen, if we push people away and say, well, if you're not in, if you're not all in, you're not in at all, then they're never going to get on that journey. They're never going to start moving in the right direction. So by creating the bronze certification, it means that anybody who uses us instead of covering letters and CVs, and they use our software to create the job description, the application, and have the software score that application, they've reduced bias significantly. So that's what bronze is. It's reducing bias in hiring. Silver is eliminating bias in hiring. So that's following the full process with an auditor. Gold is eliminating bias in hiring and promotions up to senior management level. And then platinum is for every single person in the organization, every hire, every promotion going through the full process. So that's how we categorize it. Nice.
1: Yeah, and I can understand. I mean, you hear of companies where they might change their LinkedIn logo during Pride month or something. Or once a month, they might hold a briefing or a team lunch and they put on yeah. some food and stuff and they have to talk about a particular topic and then we all move on again with our lives. So I can see why you might go, this is just window dressing. But I think with change management, both in the world of HR and also in marketing and sales That those almost like small step change process, the micro commitments, getting the foot in the door and gradually moving through the process can actually be very powerful. So, from the HR perspective, you get a few influencers involved, internal influencers, and then they spread the word and become evangelists, et cetera. That's one way of making change happen in the the marketing world. If you can get in with a large company in a particular area, then you can move across to other divisions or expand out. So, It doesn't have to be all or nothing. So I think you've done a good remodeling of those stages. In terms of getting the word out there and growing the business now that you've launched, what are your plans? What are you doing to get in front of more businesses and win new customers?
2: So we're trying to hold speaking events. So next week with Forbes Solicitors, Co-Creation and Community and Business Partners, they hold a six-monthly HR forum for HR leaders in the Northwest. So I've got the keynote speaking on that. And we're giving the process to people. We're talking everybody through every single stage, which is where we started of having this on paper so that they can take it away for free. They can implement it tomorrow and start getting the benefits of following this process. Obviously, there's no affiliation with us, so there's no certification. There's no software to support them. But if they wanted to pick that up, a business that's less than 50 employees going into bronze would be around £80 a month. So it's no real financial burden to get certified and have that standard. And then we've got some other events where we're speaking around the country just to HR and EDI leaders because they're the influencers, like you say, the evangelists. Some have still got to go off the board sign off on something yeah. like this, especially the larger organizations. So we're working with those. Our target market is companies that have got more than 500 employees because they're focused on ESG. You know, they've got, special departments or roles looking at EDI, looking at wellbeing and inclusion. So it's easier for us to get in contact with the right people to start promoting that message. But like I said, we've been approached by a number of HR outsourcing companies that want to do this, to stand out from other HR outsourcing companies, to demonstrate to their client base that they're a pioneer and they're ahead of the game. And then we hope that they'll then advocate this to their customer base, whether it be a recruitment agent saying to their customer base, look, I've reduced bias. Every SIFT, every application has been using Equal Employers System. I'm bronze certified. So vicariously, you all as customers have reduced your bias. So you're effectively bronze certified as well. So we're hoping that we can
1: create those advocates then to start promoting the message for us. Nice. Yeah, that's a great idea. If you're listening to this on the go and you are an HR outsourcing company or recruitment firm or something similar, even an area alongside, whether that be learning and development training, something else still where you're talking to businesses that are recruiting maybe at scale or they've got enough people coming through the system that they would prefer to have better processes and better outcomes in an equal fashion, then you should definitely look at getting in touch with Adam and equal employer. You know, these speaking opportunities that you mentioned, how did you find them? How did you get them? Because Maybe lots of people would love to go and give the speeches everywhere. How did you get those? Network. And like I said, while we've commercially only been in the market for three weeks,
2: we established the business in April, 2021. It was a registered business in July, 2021. So through all the research that we've been doing and talking to these people, we've had so many people that have said to us, we love this. Keep in touch. We want to help you in any way we can. And... You know, in the early days when a lot of the process was written on paper, we didn't have a piece of software. It took us over a year to get the software built to the standard that we want. I've kept in touch with those people. And now I'm calling those people back and saying, Hey, remember me? Uh, You said that if I ever needed anything. And yeah, it's amazing. If you ask for help, there's so many people, if they believe in what you're trying to achieve, will go out of the way to introduce you to people or say, I can't do it myself, but I know somebody who might be able to help. And yeah, that's where it's come from. Generosity, I suppose, which is really, really nice.
1: Yeah, and that's a good lesson for people. I often say that there's no silver bullet. You can't just suddenly turn on Google AdWords and everything is amazing or go and give a speech somewhere and everything just takes off like a rocket ship. Maybe once in a blue moon it happens. But what you mentioned there along the network, the generosity approach is you're not just turning up, knocking on the door and say, hey, buy my stuff. You're building relationships, keeping in touch with people, building that trust over time. And it's so much more powerful, right? So I think it's going to be a great success. So any advice for employers listening to this who are thinking, oh, I'd like to improve our recruitment selection process? What's your advice to them?
2: My advice, I think that HR departments are strapped. I think that in a lot of businesses, they're under-resourced they overlook from a budget perspective. And when they're looking at something new like this, they're thinking, well, there's a cost associated and we don't have the budget right now. Or this is going to take time for us to learn a new system and be implemented, which is time we don't have because we've got a resource issue. So what I would say is I am not from the tech world. That is not my background. I'm the kind of guy who will keep hold of a form for five years because I get used to the functionality of it. And I don't want the new model Our software has been designed so that I can use it in a way that I don't need to go and get a PhD for. Some of the HR companies that we're working with now, I've done a demonstration with them. And then I've said, right, so we'll get you set up, we'll get you access now. And then I'll do an implementation half day. And they said, we don't need it. It's so straightforward. We get it. If we need anything, we'll give you a shout. So that's one thing I'd said. It's not a heavy learning experience. It's not a heavy burden on resource. The second thing is, for the small amount of time it will take in having conversations with me, making sure that we understand the company's goals and missions and needs, and to check that we're the right organization for them to partner with, that small amount of time investment, they'll save oodles after that in the amount of time that they're not having to sift CVs again, or write to candidates and say, hey, we've asked you when you're available for an interview. When are you available? You've not come back to us. or." When you send us that P45, let a piece of software deal with all of that, do all the heavy lifting. That's what I'd say as HR companies, HR leaders, whatever the challenges that you think may be in the way of implementing this, they're very, very minimal and we can overcome them together.
1: Yeah. And as you are speaking, you remind me of these sort of factories where they are producing a product, but then they have byproducts, you know, waste from the process. Maybe it's a wood factory thing where you've got wood chips coming out the back and then they actually outsell or on-sell some of those to other processes. So there's actual additional subproducts, if you like, from this. And it was just interesting the way you described the Equal Employer platform and just things like keeping the candidate in the loop because that's a huge issue, candidates just falling into that deep black hole, wondering where they are in the process. But through this process that you've got that they are – alerted almost of when they're progressing through different stages and they know it's a bit like ordering something and you can see where it is in different countries at different stages, you know, get the text or the email. So that kind of side benefit is a huge thing, which is not what it's all about. It's all around equal employment, opportunity and growth for all, but there are some side benefits as well. hundred percent. Retention is one of the biggest issues now. HR leaders are facing,
2: attrition of staff. People are moving very quickly. Linked to that is employee engagement. If people are engaged, they're not ultimately going to leave. I've been in a business, and I'm sure many of the listeners have, where they've applied for a promotion, and they've not got the promotion, and they come away thinking that it's a face fit culture. Mm. Basically, they like the other person better than me. I was better for the job, but I didn't get it. That happens for two reasons. One, because sometimes that is the truth of the matter. It is a face fit culture. Two, because they weren't given very clear, detailed feedback on why they didn't get the job and somebody else did. If you follow a promotion process like this, this is audited and is standardized, and the candidate goes into that knowing that, when they don't get a job then, they come away going, that was the fair result. If they believe in the process that has been followed and they believe in what equal employer does, then they'll say, okay, I get it. And they won't come away disgruntled saying, right. I now have to down tools and find another company that will invest in me, that will develop my career. So another byproduct, which we can't lay stats to today to say how much our process is gonna help with reducing your turnover of staff or help with your retention. And we can't say how much it's gonna help with employee engagement. But our solid belief is that when employees know they work for a company that is an equal employer, that promotes ethically, based on skills characteristics that the business needs, that's going to improve engagement and it's going to improve retention. And there's going to be a huge cost saving from having to go out and re-recruit, having to train people up and onboard them by retaining
1: well-skilled, well-connected, well-engaged employees. Absolutely. Because underlying all of this is, it's almost got an assurance, quality control kind of background or underpinning it all because when you get your processes right you actually look at stuff and ask questions and then document it and then work to that system kind of everything else works well too you know customers are happier you've got things operating more smoothly which makes people happier in their day-to-day jobs because it's the squeaky wheel thing that bugs people in the job there's all sorts of components but when you have things humming along nicely it makes for a much better workplace a much better business so I completely agree finally then as a co-founder ceo what's your business growth, and marketing advice for others running HR-related businesses.
2: Well, I currently sit here today with zero customers in our three weeks launch. So I don't Early days. I would have professed to be the expert. However, we've gained traction quickly. What would my advice be to HR companies looking for growth? I think trust is key in our industry. And I was once asked, how do you get trust? I was flabbergasted. Julie Blair Parker was my old mentor and she was the HR director for Marley Turner, the company I worked at for a long time. I didn't know the answer and I said, I don't know, tell me. And she'd never tell me because she was a coach as well. And she kept pushing me back. And every time we meet, she'd say, have you thought about this now? And I got to the point of realizing that I personally get trust from people when I give them trust first. You're not going to trust me And give me your secrets and your confidence until you've got something on me first. So if I take that step, that brave step and make myself vulnerable and lay something down that potentially you could use against me, that's the point where you go, okay, now I get we're on the level. I feel equally confident in sharing back now. And that's the start. And it's the same with customer relationships. When you commit something to a customer that could result in something that, Maybe detrimental to you. The customer is going to go all in then. So yeah, I'd say be
1: authentic,
2: be yourself, be genuine all the time and give trust.
1: Excellent. So Adam, if people want to learn more about Equal Employer, either as becoming a customer or potentially working with you, partnering with you, whether it be as a recruitment firm or an outsourced HR firm, that sort of thing, what should they do next?
2: They can contact me directly however they wish. So they can email me, Adam at EqualEmployer.com or they can email into the team, which is hello at EqualEmployer.com. I'm on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter, but I've got to be honest, we're kind of new to Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're a bit dinosaur, a bit prehistoric on that. We're getting there. So yeah, LinkedIn or email is the best way.
1: Excellent. And just call out the website again for us. It's EqualEmployer.com. Excellent. Well, you guys have created a wonderful platform there, and I think it's going to help change the world of work for the better. So thank you very much for doing that. And thank you for joining me today on the show.
2: Thanks very much, Ben.
0: Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.